Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Let me tell you what good biblical theology is. It's every person who's born, God has made a way for them to have the kingdom. It's just so many sell their birthright and get deceived and miss out of what God has provided for all of creation, the kingdom of God. That being said, I want to read a passage up front. It's one of the things that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. Uh, It's a unique statement. Oftentimes, Jesus said things that uh, really made people scratch their head and uh, would would sort of catch people off guard. And I want to read Matthew 10 and verse 40. It says, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Again, I want to preach today a message titled, Oil Stories, Part 2. Before I do, I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that that name is above every name. I thank you that, Lord, you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I bind demons that would try to distract and confuse minds and lives in Jesus' name. And I apply the blood of Jesus that has been shed to purchase people's liberty, healing and deliverance and wholeness. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would shine the light on Jesus, who's King and who's Lord, and the kingdom of God is at hand. I need you, Holy Spirit. I'm desperate for you that I would just be a jar, that you would cause Jesus to be manifested and communicated to those here today. May we encounter you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I don't know if you heard, but not too far from here in North Georgia, there is a revival. And one of the aspects of this revival is supposedly there is a Bible that is producing oil. I got asked about this by one of our members in the congregation. They they asked me, said, what, have you heard about this, this Bible that's leaking and producing oil? And I said, actually, I have. He said, well, what do you think about it? I said, well, you know, I, I've not been there. I've not seen it, but it sounds like a sign and a wonder. Because you know what a sign and wonder is? It's something that makes you wonder. And so I'm wondering about it, and I know others are wondering about it. And he said, you know, that makes sense because I have a co-worker who heard about it and began wondering, and it's got this person back reading Scripture and attending church. Now listen, a Bible that produces oil is not going to bring someone to sufficient faith in Jesus and His kingdom, but it will make them wonder about eternity, about spirituality, about God, about things, and can be used to move them forward in their journey of meeting Jesus or knowing Jesus. I had a oily Bible one time. It wasn't God's miracle working power. It was I was preaching to youth. And I did a message called Have It Your Way. And I was talking and using Burger King and their slogan. And so I pulled out a Burger King big whopper. And, uh, and I took a bite out of it. And when I did, what was on in the middle slid out the opposite side onto my Bible. Ever since then, I've had an oily Bible on that page where I was preaching out of Psalms. But You know what I really desire today more than a Bible that produces or leaks oil? Is oily believers. Let me tell you what will accomplish more at the end of the day is oily believers. 
See, believers are like an olive tree. If you don't know about olive trees and uh, truths about olive trees, a good, one good olive tree yields 10 to 15 gallons of oil each year. My desire and, and my prayer today is that you individually would be brought to a place to see dwelling place as a context, like a garden, to facilitate bringing you into your own oil stories. Listen, my prayer and our desire in the pastors and the leadership of this church is not just that you hear about our old stories. It's that you would be equipped and empowered and led and brought to a place where you get to experience your own old stories. That we corporately experience old stories of God. Now, in Old Stories Part 1, when I preached two weeks ago, if you weren't here, you can go back and listen to it on the podcast. Um, but we looked at our need for oil. The oil of the Holy Spirit. That we are desperately in need of the oil of the Holy Spirit, and yet so often we don't live with a conscious awareness of that need. We talked about how this pattern God gave in the Old Testament to Moses, how in this pattern of what their temple worship was to look like under the Old Covenant, we talked about the use of oil. Well, that oil, I didn't tell you last week, was specifically olive oil. It was olive oil. Now think about this. To get olive oil, you need olives. And to get olives, olive trees are needed. Now, you might not know that olive trees may be grown from seeds, but they do not produce well. It's interesting. You can grow an olive tree from a seed of an olive, but it doesn't produce well oil. In fact, they must be grafted onto older trees. The other way to start a new olive tree is to cut a slip from an older tree and root it. And then the new plants begin to grow and slowly take 15 to 20 years to reach full production. Full production for the production of potential oil. Here's my point. Both methods require the involvement of an older tree. Both methods require the involvement of a more mature tree. You do not get future oil without the involvement of an older, more mature producing olive tree. What's this mean? It means in the kingdom, Jesus called God's children. He called them, he said his followers are like seeds of the kingdom. Another place Jesus said that his followers are not just seeds of the kingdom, that we're like trees. What this means is, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're like olive trees. And because we're like olive trees, we don't produce well on our own, but we must be grafted onto older trees. We have to be connected to more mature brothers and sisters who are further in the faith than us. Followers of Jesus are like planted olive trees with the capacity to produce but not without being grafted onto an odor oil-producing trees. Here's the point. There will not be new oil stories without the involvement of those who have already more oil stories. You don't get new oil stories. You don't get new encounters with the working of God's Spirit and new oil stories without the involvement of brothers and sisters who have more old stories than you. Now, I'm not talking here about older in the sense of physical age. I'm talking in the sense of being more spiritually mature, listen, regarding the old of God. And I'm not just talking about being more spiritually mature in regarding knowing Scripture or in church engagement. I'm talking specifically about the production of the oil. 
Why does the oil matter? Because Jesus makes it clear. It is the anointing and the oil of the Holy Spirit that liberates people from brokenness and pain and bondage and dysfunction and things that's been generationally in their family. It's not just good teaching and good Bible knowledge. It's not even just people who minister. It is the oil of God, the mighty power of the Holy Spirit that's necessary to do such working in the lives of people. But you don't get this oil in your life without having more mature brothers and sisters who have more oil stories than you. For this process of the production of the anointing and oil in our lives, there are essentials to understand. There are essentials to understand about God's oil. The first essential I want to mention is kingdom transfer. What I call kingdom transfer is essential regarding God's anointing oil. First, one cannot transfer what they do not have. But also, one cannot receive what they do not have without a transfer. For instance, one cannot communicate what they do not know. And they cannot receive what they do not know without it being transferred. It's like the olive tree. A seeded olive tree to produce oil must receive a transfer from a more mature tree. This leads me to the next essential regarding God's anointing oil. Kingdom relationships. When you think about the production of the anointing and the anointing oil and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives... Kingdom transfer and kingdom relationships are essential to understand. Listen, God has designed kingdom relationships to be a primary way His Word, His will, and His ways are transferred person to person, generation to generation, nation to nation. The oil and anointing of the Holy Spirit is transferred through kingdom relationships. Simply put, what is this? Simply put, this is mentoring. Now, though there are many types and many different forms of mentoring, mentoring is a primary method God has designed for us to mature. The young seed of a potential olive tree being grafted onto older, more mature olive-producing trees. It's a kingdom transfer of the anointing oil and ministry of the Holy Spirit through kingdom relationships. See, Spirit-filled local churches established by Jesus provide the context to be grafted onto more mature olive trees for us when we are new to the faith, but watch this, also new to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, listen, there are some churches that might be older in age, but they're not more mature regarding God's anointing oil. Just like there might be some brothers and sisters in here that might be more mature in understanding Scripture or things about church, but not necessarily more mature in having oil stories of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the common theme is this. New oil stories are brought about through the involvement of those who already have oil stories. And why is the oil necessary? Because we can have a lot of ministry, we can have a lot of biblical activity, but without the anointing oil of God, people are not liberated. People are not convicted. People are not changed. Eternity's not awakened. People are not gripped with a sense of kingdom purpose and empowerment. So kingdom transfer through kingdom relationships. And these are essential because, number three, every need, every need, every need is an old story waiting to happen. Every need in our life is an old story waiting to happen. 
Every need is an opportunity for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to take what Jesus secured and purchased for us and calls us to practically experience it. But the issue is, is that for all stories to happen, kingdom transfer and kingdom relationships are vital. They're essential. Let me give you an example of an old story we find in Scripture. We read of this old story in 1 Kings 17 and verse 8. If you're not familiar with this, this is Elijah. He was a prophet. And Elijah had been led in a time of famine to this brook of water, and God supernaturally provided for him. And you find out that it comes a moment where the waters dry up. And then after the waters dry up, God speaks to Elijah. And it says in 1 Kings 17 and 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. That already messes up a lot of religious thinking. Because the normal standard was, as God said, take care of the widows. But here's this prophet in need. Where he was being provided for has been dried up. He says, God tells him, I got a widow that's going to provide for you. I would be scratching my head. Saying, wait a minute, I'm supposed to provide for the widow. But he's learned to obey God, trust God, lean not on his own understanding. In verse 10, so he arose, he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please, please bring me a little water in the cup. Remember Jesus? If you just give a cup of water that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and he said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin. Watch this. And a little oil. Everybody say a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Everybody say first. And bring it to me. And then afterward, make some for yourself, for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. That means until the famine's removed. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord which he spoke by Elijah, do you see it? The first two things we talked about as essential for more old stories to happen was transfers had to happen and relationship. There had to be a transfer of the anointing and the working of the Holy Spirit through kingdom relationships, and you see it both here. You see that there is a transfer that she takes of the oil that she has and makes the prophet a cake. And she takes of the water that she has and she gives him a cup of water to drink. There's the transfer. But the transfer happens because it was a kingdom relationship. A kingdom relationship. Notice you see both of those first two points in the text. A kingdom transfer through a kingdom relationship, which reminds me of what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you receive a prophet you'll receive the prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man or woman, you'll receive a righteous man or woman's reward. Meaning, what's he teaching? He's teaching kingdom transfer. That if you learn to receive from the working of God's Spirit in another, you'll receive the benefit of what God has done and put on their life. It's a transfer. But the transfer doesn't happen without the kingdom relationship. This is the part that, that messes us up in Western America. Because we have access to so much knowledge and things, we think that just, you know, by reading a book, we can have kingdom transfer. That's not the case. Listen, if you could just get kingdom transfer through reading books, then I'd just retire and write books. But it takes kingdom relationships 
for actually a transfer of something deeper than just knowledge to take place. The anointing oil and ministry of God. And notice in here you see another thing that God teaches us. There's this word first. He speaks to the priority. See, listen to me. The prophet in the Old Testament was different than New Testament prophets. The prophet in the Old Testament had to have 100% accuracy. In the New Testament, anyone who says they're a prophet or seeks to prophesy, they don't have necessarily 100% accuracy. That's why it says that what they say must be tested. It's got to be tested. It's got to be filtered through Scripture and discernment and leadership and things like that. But in the Old Testament, the prophet was like the physical representation of the Word of God on the earth. See, listen, individuals couldn't go to the Father in prayer on their own. They didn't have access to that. They didn't have access on their own to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. So in the Old Testament, the prophet... In the story we're reading, this old story represents the word of the Lord. Here's the lesson in this story for us. If you give to God first, He blesses the rest. See, the prophet said, look, you got a little oil, and you're preparing just to use the, what you have, and then you and your son die. He says, but you got to understand, this is now a kingdom relationship, and there's a chance for a transfer. The Word of God, in obedience to my, the Word of God, puts a transfer and puts something that you can't necessarily see on what it is you have left. And what's he tell her to do? He said, no, first bake me a cake, then you bake you a cake. This speaks to kingdom priority. When you give God first, He'll bless the rest. See, listen, her mindset at the beginning was, I'm just going to prepare for myself and my son. What's her mindset in the beginning? I'm just going to look out for me. I'm just going to do what's best for me. And this ain't how the kingdom operates. This isn't the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus, if you want the anointing and the ministry of the Holy Spirit upon your life and you be moved forward towards your kingdom purpose and what God has for you and the good works that He's created for you to walk in in Christ Jesus, for that to take place, we have to remove that mindset of thinking about what's best for me and myself first and we have to put God and His word and His will and His ways first. See, listen. She said, I'm just going to prepare a little cake for myself and my son and then we're going to die. Listen to me. When we make decisions for what's best just for us, it does lead to death because that's the flesh. Jesus didn't just do what was best for him. He did first what the word of the Father had for him and what was best for others. And that's why he's got the name above every name. That's why he had the fullness of God's anointing oil, the fullness of God's spirit without measure. Because he didn't walk in that mentality of the flesh. He operated and demonstrated for us kingdom understanding. Kingdom understanding. And so the prophet representing God's way says, no, make me a small cake from it first, and then afterward make some for yourself. Then afterward. I can imagine this lady looking. Wait a minute. Only got a little. I ain't got much. And you're telling me to take what I do have and present it to God first. Present it back to God first. Prioritize what God wants. Prioritize God's ways. Prioritize God's word first. You don't understand. Then I can have what's left? <coughs> OMG. Are you kidding me? Ugh. There ain't nothing hardly left. You want me to give it to you, God, first? And, uh, there's nothing going to be left. There's not much. No, no, listen, 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 listen. It might look like a little. But if it's blessed by God, it's actually a lot. It might look like a little. But if it's got the blessing of God on it, it's actually a lot. See, you got to see the blessing God puts on it. Sometimes when it comes to finances, we look, we say, oh, I just got a little. 
Oh, no, no, but the kingdom is, if you seek first the kingdom and the ways, you give God first, He puts a blessing on the rest, and it might look like a little, but it ain't a little if it's got God's blessing on it. Oh, if it's got God's oil on it, it ain't a little, because it can multiply. It can, it can move walls and barriers when God puts His blessing on it. See, a kingdom transfer happened upon the little that was left. When she put God first. And now the little that she has is related to God and connected to God who's more than enough. And what's the text say? It said it never ran dry. It provided and kept providing and kept producing and kept producing. Because the little with God's blessing is actually a much. It said it fed her household for many days. They ate. They were happy. They were fulfilled. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry. Here's the point. Give the oil you do have to God first. You say, I got just a little calling. I got just a little understanding of my spiritual gift. I got just a little understanding of God's word. I got just a little beginning of influence. Yeah, but take what you have, even if it's a little, and give it to God in His way and will first. Then afterward, think about you. It's the way of the kingdom. And you'll find out that once that alignment happens, what seems to be little, when it gets God's blessing on it, it produces much. You'll have an oil story when you put God first in the area of your need. When you obey His specific word, the oil won't run dry. If every need, though, is an oil story waiting to happen, why so often do people not have their own oil stories? Their own encounters with the ministry and the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. Because listen, oil stories are so often hindered because number four, oil only flows down. See, I was doing this experiment in my bathroom, specifically my shower. I, I have... I had inherited from my wife, which just means she, she wasn't digging it, so she gave it to me, uh, this shampoo and conditioner she bought. And, and I knew because we plan out our, our series a year in advance, so I knew this month we're preaching on a series called Essential Oil. And for months, every time I would shower, I would look. This one's the conditioner. But it, it, it talked coconut oil. And there, it said, oilology. I thought, oh, I like that. Oilology, the study of oil. So I did an experiment. When, it, when, the, when the shampoo got towards the end, there's a little ledge in our shower. I, I flipped it over. And I was going to see how long it took for every drop of oil left to run down. Well, I left it one day, and you understand that oil doesn't move as fast as we Americans want it to move. Have you ever poured some, some oil, some thick, substance-rich oil? It doesn't move according to the pace of American culture, the pace of our flesh and our wants, our timetable and timelines. And so this thing had been turned over, and it's about halfway down now, the shower, towards the floor. And I leave it there. Next time I come back, Andy, my experiment's gone. Michelle didn't have no discernment that I'm trying as a man of God to do an experiment in our shower. It's gone. It's cleaned up. Research is gone. I mean, it's totally removed the bottles in the garbage. I had an old experiment going on, baby. I didn't even tell her. At that point, since she didn't ask what was going on, just clean it up, I didn't even tell her. I just went in my prayer closet and prayed for her. But here's my point. That bottle could have sat there for eternity. Right side up. 
And the oil that's in it would have stayed in it because the oil only flows down. It only flows down. And it don't always flow according to our timetable and our timeline and how we want it. Let me tell you of another oil story in Scripture. Another oil story of Elijah in 2 Kings 4.1. 2 Kings 4.1. It says, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. You know, you don't see Elijah in the text. We're going to come to it. But Elijah, Elisha here has received a transfer of the anointing by a kingdom relationship he had with Elijah. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor's coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Verse 2. So Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in the house? Well, that's a good question. And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, oh, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her. And she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. Watch this. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you or your sons live on the rest. What's happening? The prophet representing the word of God to this individual in their need. It's because God every, sees every need as an oil story waiting to happen, but his word's got to get involved. Obedience has got to get involved. Submission, surrender to what the, God is saying has got to get involved. And he says, Listen, I want you to take the little oil you got, And I want you to go ask for a bunch of empty, empty jars, empty vessels. And I want you to get as many empty vessels as you can borrow. And then I want you to take the little oil that you have and pour it into these empty jars. These empty jars. And as long as you do it, the oil will not cease. There comes a point where there was no more empty jars, so the oil ceased. See, the prophet asked this question. It's a good question for us to ask ourselves. Some of us, what we're going through and dealing is, what's in your house? And some say, oh, I know what's in my house. What currently is in my house is strife, is division, is bickering. I recognize the story. It's like my husband's dead. It's like he's dead spiritually. It's like he's dead to the reality of eternity. It's like he's dead to the reality that he has one life and he's going to give an account to it, to his creator. He's dead to spiritual reality. He's dead in his, almost as it seems like hunger for God. I know what's in my house. And I can imagine people going on in their mind. In my house, the creditor's coming. In my house, the finances are whack. In my house, there's stress. There's all kinds of issues. Oh, don't even get me started on my sons and my children's. Oh, my goodness. Do you want me to go on what's going on in my house? I mean, it is absolutely all kinds of stuff's going on in my house. And I can imagine just you and me having a conversation when I say, what's in your house? And you say, oh, oh, Pastor Chad, here's what's in my house. And instantly you start going into the troubles and the difficulties and the circumstances. The prophet says, no, 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 no. What's in your house? Oh, my, my husband's dead. My, my, the creditors, no, no, no. What else is in your house? And she said, oh, I got a little oil in a jar. And I can imagine the prophet saying, what? You, you got a little oil in the, in the house? A little oil in, the, in, in a jar? He says, yes. He says, oh, my goodness. So there's oil still in the house? Yeah. You're telling me there's oil still in the house? Yes. You're telling me that there's still oil? Yes. Well, then guess what? It's not too late. Things can change. Oh, my goodness. God can move and can work if you're telling me there's still oil in your house. Is there still oil in your house? 
You still got a relationship with Jesus? You still open to the working of God's Spirit in your house? You still open to the working of God's Spirit in your marriage and in your finances and in your children's life? Oh, you might not have a lot of oil right now, but all you need is just a little oil. Just a little oil and God can put His blessing on the little and begin to bring much of His power and His working out of it. She said, but you don't understand, my oil's low. Some of you are saying, you don't understand, there's so much going on and my oil's low. I, I don't sense God's favor and God's strength and God's anointing and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but there's still oil in the house. And here it gives us how to have an oil story in our life. He says, you got to find some empty vessels because oil only flows down. you got to find a lower point than where you're at you got to find someone who feels like they're at a lower point than you feel like you're at. you got to find someone who's going through something more difficult than what you're going through because the oil only flows down. And when your oil's low, it's because you need to find some other lower points and lower people around you. And if you'll see that, the oil will increase in your life because the oil only flows down. Flows down. You say, my marriage is difficult. Well, guess what? There's probably someone else's marriage that's even worse. Find a low point, and the oil won't cease. The Lord will allow the ministry of the Holy Spirit to keep increasing. You say, my finances are so messed up, but they ain't messed up as some other people around you. Find a lower point and be a blessing to them. Pour into them. You say, you don't understand my struggles. You don't understand the pain I'm going through physically. There's some others that's going through some more pain physically. Find a lower point because oil only flows down. So often our oil is low is because we're not connecting with lower points, lower people, and understanding how the Holy Spirit works. See, you don't have to have a lot of oil, but if you got just a little bit of oil, there's people around you that have no oil. There's people around you that don't know the true lasting hope of Jesus. There's people around that don't know that God will forgive them, God will save them, God will absolutely change their life and, and their empty vessels. And you might not have as much oil you want right now in your life and a much of God's provisions and blessing, but you still got a little oil in your house, a little oil in your life, and just find that, that lower point because oil only flows down. And as she kept pouring into the low points, God kept pouring oil into her in her house. Sometimes people have no oil. They got ministry, they got activity for Jesus, but they have no oil. There's no authority, anointing, power, supernatural work of God's Spirit because, listen, they don't have anyone higher around them. Not higher in the sense of this is an organizational authority I'm talking about. But they don't have anybody higher in all stories around them. But see, all only flows down. So often people don't have oil because they've never put themselves in a place where kingdom transfer oil can take place. And for kingdom transfer to take place, it takes a kingdom relationship. But we have to first be at a lower point so someone more mature in oil stories and the working of God's Spirit can pour oil into us. Oil in us. See, you get no wisdom without meekness. If we don't see that another person has more maturity and more of the working of God's Spirit in an area than we do, we can't receive oil from that person. Listen to me. Jesus got His oil from the Father. The twelve got their oil from Jesus. The seventy got their oil from Jesus and the twelve. Ephesus got their oil from the Apostle Paul. The Samaritans got their oil from Peter and John. The Gentiles originally got their oil from uh, Peter. Saul got his oil from Ananias. Read it. Kingdom transfer of the oil and ministry of the Holy Spirit through kingdom relationships. Because oil only flows down. And this isn't about organizational authority. This isn't about who's got what title, who's in what position. Listen, it's about who's got more oil stories and maturity through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Some people say, but, but wait a minute. It was my peer who God used to bless me. They weren't like higher up. No, 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 listen. 
they were higher in the path of the righteous that winds upward and experiencing the oil of God's Spirit in that area. That's why you are blessed. Because the oil only flows down. And God says, if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due time, He'll lift you up. He'll lift us up. Because every need is an oil story waiting to happen. And oil only flows down. And then lastly, if you see. The last oil story I want to talk about it is in 2 Kings 2 and 1. For time's sake, I'm not going to read it all, but if you remember that this kingdom relationship is set up between Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah begins to serve with Elijah. And the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven. And Elijah tells Elisha, Hey, I want you to stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elijah says, Now wait a minute, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elijah and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? He said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Now watch this. This happens two more times. Three times, Elisha, who's the prophet, Elisha's the one sort of being mentored in this kingdom relationship for a kingdom transfer. Three times he tells Elijah, hey, I'm going over here. You can stay here. And three times Elijah says, no, no, no. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow you. Sounds a lot like what Jesus would, would do, right? Jesus, he tell people, hey, you want to stop following me? Stop following. But he said, keep following. Keep following. And this was the test for Elijah. And here's why. Because he leads them to three places that this text records. To Bethel, to Jericho, and the Jordan. Once he follows him to all three places, there are people who tell Elijah the same thing three times. You know what that's called? That's called frustration. You're following the same event time and time again. People telling you the same thing time and time again. And then verse 9, it says, So it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elijah, Ask what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you. Watch this. Elijah said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, You've asked a hard thing. See, the transfer of kingdom anointing and ministry of the Holy Spirit is not an easy thing because it's the most valuable possession on the earth. It is the yoke-destroying, depression-removing, joy-filling, mountain-blowing-up power and ministry of Almighty God. He said, you've asked a hard thing, nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened in verse 11 as they continued and talked. Suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elijah saw it and cried. Watch this. My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces and he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan and you keep reading, Elijah did twice as many miracles recorded in scripture than Elijah did. He got the double portion. But notice it was because what? If you see me. If you see me. What do we see in the text? So they go through Bethel, go through Jericho, go through Jordan. And he says, if you keep going through this process, but in the end you see me, you'll get a double portion. So he's there, and it happens. He's there in the moment when he's taken up to heaven. And he don't say, well, there goes Elijah. He sees what we need to learn to see. He sees beyond the natural. And he says, my father, my father. Wait a minute, Elijah wasn't his father. What's he saying? Listen, he's seeing now how the heavenly father was working through Elijah and this kingdom relationship. He sees how the father was using it. He sees now the way of the father. And because now he sees it, the kingdom transfer happens. 
See, listen, those three places that Elijah led Elijah through prepared him to be able to be equipped and see, not in the natural, but by faith, his heavenly father and what he had, what he was doing so that the transfer of the anointing could take place. Here's the application. Listen, God has a process for people to truly be equipped and ready to walk in the anointing and the oil of the Holy Spirit. He has a process of preparation. Just like there's a process for there to be olive oil. There might be a seed, there might be an olive tree, there might be the production of olives, but there's still not olive oil. There has to go through a process of pressing and preparation. And when I think about this church, it's no longer a church plant, but we're at this place that God's brought us. you got to understand the vision's never changed. It will not change. And it's manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. And maybe you don't understand, but the many ways is the ministries that God has called you to. He ain't just called me to ministry. He's called us all to ministry. But God understands that the ministries he's talking about is not just people doing what they can do in their natural ability. It's not just ministering. It's not just loving people and serving people. No, 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 listen. Manifesting Christ in many ways is loving people supernaturally. It's ministering supernaturally. It's forgiving supernaturally. It's walking with people supernaturally. It is the supernatural ministry of the oil of the Holy Spirit. But listen, that aspect of God's vision for this place doesn't happen without the process. It don't happen without the process. And this is what we see here. And I believe that we can apply these three places that Elijah took Elijah through to help us understand the process for many of us here today that God has a ministry that he's called you to, but he don't want it just to be a ministry in the natural. He wants it to be a ministry in the supernatural with God's oil on it, and there's a process. And it's Bethel, it's Jericho, and Jordan. Let me talk about this. If you're not aware of Bethel, if you go back and read in Genesis 28, 10 through 22, Jacob has this dream. He has this dream. And in this dream, he sees a ladder that's going from earth to heaven, and he sees angels descending and ascending on this ladder. And he sees at the top, the Lord stands above it. And the Lord gives him a promise. He said, you're going to inherit the land. Now the land, biblically, represents our kingdom assignment the supernatural ministry and work that we're specifically called to within the overall body of Christ, okay? So Jacob wakes up, and he goes, Oh my goodness, the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. How awesome is this place? And watch this, he calls it Bethel. Bethel. It's the first time it's named. It was previously called something else, but it becomes Bethel. Because Bethel means the house of God. It means the gate of heaven. And see, Bethel represents the start of something. The ladder and what God revealed to Jacob was the start of something. Bethel represents a new thing starting and breaking in. It's the place where the kingdom breaks in. And he sets up a, the stone that he was sleeping on. And he sets it up as a pillar. And he takes some oil and he pours oil on the top of the pillar. And he says, this is and shall be God's house. And then he says this to God. Everything you give me, I'll give a tenth back to you. Wow. See, Bethel represents dream it. Some of you, you got dreams God's given you of what he's called you to, of what he has for you. Well, it starts with dreaming about it. But what's interesting is once the dream came in Jacob's heart and mind, you know what he did? He began to tithe. He began to tithe. Why? Because listen... The local churches that Jesus established is the gate for the kingdom of heaven. Local spirit-filled churches is the gate and local outpost of the kingdom of heaven. And when Jacob realized where he was at was the gate of heaven where God's newness breaks in, where new life can break in, where a new future can break in, when the start of something new for your life can break in, when he realized that that was the gate of where new things begin to take place and it's the start of new things, he began to tithe. 
he began to tithe. Then Elijah takes him to Jericho. Now, if you don't remember Jericho, you can read about it in Joshua 6. But in Joshua 6, Joshua leads the people to the first city that they have to begin to conquer before they go into actually walking in what God promised. Jacob, the promised land. And they come to Jericho. And God tells Joshua to tell the people, for seven days you're going to march around the walls. And they're like, oh, that's cool, not a problem. I like stretching and walking, exercise. You know, it's a new year, I'm going to fit. He said, oh, no, no, no. You're going to walk around, but you're going to do it with your mouth shut. Oh, what? Yeah, you're going to do it with your mouth shut, and you're not going to speak until the Lord says, now's the time. And then you're going to shout, and then the walls are going to come down. Listen, Jericho is the place where we circle in silence. Jericho represents the process of that something new God was starting and doing. Jericho represents the process of how it's moved forward. And here they are walking around, silent. These are warriors, by the way. (laughs) These are battle-hardened people ready for war. And they got to walk around silent. What's he doing? The pressure's building. It's building on the inside. Frustration's building on the inside. Questions building on the inside. Ideas building on the inside. Maybe some doubt wrestling with on the inside. And the whole time, pressure's building. Why? Because that's the process necessary. Watch this. For walls to come down. You got to go through the process for walls to come down. Walls of cities, strongholds in cities, walls that's kept people in cities and areas around us bound and afflicted by the enemy and generational curses. There's a process. It's Jericho. And you know what's interesting about Jericho? Is he said all of the gold, silver, and possessions in Jericho, you don't get any of it. The entire city in that first victory was a tithe to the Lord. It's amazing how this keeps coming up in this process. But Bethel's where you dream it. Jericho's where you see it. Watch this. Even despite the pressure of the walls, even despite the obstacles, you see that the Lord's given it to your hand. It's the process of true biblical faith and maturity. And then the last place Elijah leads Elijah is Jordan. And if you go and read in Joshua 4, you find that Jordan is the place where the waters are cut off and you cross over into the promised land. Now the promised land for us speaks to the specific ministry God's called us to. And the Jordan, listen, was the reference point for all of the tribe of Israel's inheritance. Listen, your ministry that God has for you is considered your inheritance in Christ. But the reference point for you to cross over into that ministry is Jordan. It's where you stand till everything's finished. It's the place you come up from in ministry. Watch this. It's the place then when you transfer and cross over, you begin to take place in battle and ministry against the enemy. And that's the place you step into it. Bethel means dream it. Jericho, see it. Jordan, step into it. But here's the powerful thing. The same kingdom relationship for Elijah was in all three stages of that process. It was him staying connected to the kingdom relationship that allowed the kingdom transfer to happen. And my desire among everything is every person in the body of Christ would know the place the kingdom relationships of where God wants you 
so that he can then begin the process of the Bethel. You say, this is the house of God for me. This is the local church of me. And it begins the process of something. And then once the process starts, you got to stay there and be there in Jericho. you got to learn to march around the walls and deal with frustrations and grow and continue to see what God showed you and that you've dreamed about and go through the process until it's time to come to the Jordan and cross over into it. To move into supernatural ministry. Supernatural all of God coming on an area. Remember Jesus? Who's the fulfillment of all this? You know what Jesus did? You know who Jesus was? He was the stone that God set up as Bethel. He was the stone. He was the house of God on the earth. For the fullness of God dwelt bodily in him. And you remember how Jacob set up the stone and said this is the house of God and he poured oil on it? Jesus is the one that was set up as the house of God and God poured his anointing oil, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. And when we see that, that the local church is not man's idea, it's actually the one we call Lord, it's his idea then we understand that what we do on Sundays in gathering is we're not just going through cultural customs and religious routine. This is the place where the kingdom of God begins to break in to our lives. Where God begins to break in to move us towards the future and the promised land and the promises that are yes and amen that he has for us. But when we see that Jesus set up the local church, guess what we do? We start tithing. Listen, I don't need your tithe. But the Lord has asked of your tithe because, listen, for kingdom transfer to happen, it takes kingdom relationship. And it's a right relationship to the place of Bethel that God puts you. And that right relationship, when you see it and recognize it, the way you demonstrate that first, what we see in this pattern, is you begin to tithe. Then, you remember Jericho? The Bible says in the story of Zacchaeus that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and then he saw Zacchaeus, who climbed up in a tree. Jericho, which represents the walls, Jesus passes through the walls so that those that are seeking to keep seeing Jesus, though the crowd and the pressure is trying to blind you from what you originally dreamed of and what you originally God had shown you, he's got to pass through those walls. He's got to pass through our hurts. He's got to deal with the the rough edges of our personality. He's got to pass through the defense mechanisms. He's got to pass through the excuses. He's got to pass through all the walls that's built up. But that's what Jesus did. He healed blind Bartimaeus right on the edge of Jericho. He enters and passes through Jericho, and salvation comes to the house of Zacchaeus because of it. It's the process. You got to see my father's working. When they're going through Jericho and then they're in the process and there's difficulty and frustrations and questions. Oh, no, listen, he said, the transfer of the anointing will happen if, if you'll see me. See what? See that the father's the one working through it. It's the father working through it. He's trying, he's trying to get you forward to cross over to supernatural ministry where he can trust supernatural anointing into our life, and ministries flourish out of this place because it's you walking in what God has created for you. Then you remember the Jordan? The Jordan's where the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus for public ministry. For 30 years, Jesus lived and never performed supernatural ministry. He did not step over and transition into supernatural ministry until at the Jordan he was water baptized and he came up and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And then he quotes Isaiah 61 and says, now the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me. And you read it, it's all supernatural stuff that you and I can't do in our own ability. And if you see, if you see Jesus, Through all of this, 
you see that it's the Father who's working through all of this, then kingdom transfer of anointing can take place. As the band comes, Matthew 10, 40, he says, He who receives you receives me. And he who receives me receives him, and he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Listen, to receive, you got to see. But you got to see that it's the Father who's working. It's the Father's ways. It's the Father's leading. There's more that's happening than just beyond the natural. The Father's working. And He's working towards the end because He wants you to cross over into the promised land of His oil and His anointing upon you. Because you know why? Listen, there's a lot of empty vessels around you. There's a lot of hurting people. There's a lot of people with questions. There's a lot of people that grew up in homes with such dysfunction and such craziness where the devil brought so much oppression and confusion. And for the oil to be poured out, it don't just take us serving in our natural ability and us ministering in our natural ability. It takes this process for him to find people that is equipped and prepared to be an olive oil producing tree of Jesus Christ. See, forgiveness and salvation is pretty simple to receive through just trusting in Jesus. But to be entrusted with the heavenly anointing oil, there's a process. But Jesus says, listen, if you'll receive that kingdom relationship, if you'll receive and you'll keep seeing that the Father's working through all of it, a transfer of the measure of oil and maturity that they have can be poured into you. And you can move forward faster to what God has for you. The Holy Spirit can do anything that Jesus has promised. He can meet any need. The anointing of the Holy Spirit when He finds a hungry, thirsty, empty vessel that's willing to receive can meet it. But let me tell you what the Holy Spirit's already doing here. And it takes not just, you can't just teach about it. That don't guarantee you get it. You got to see that the Father's working. See, if you just see me, you're not going to get it. You can buy the book, you can go through it all. But you're not seeing what Elijah had to see to get. Listen to me. If you don't sense an empowerment upon your life to pray consistently, you're not seeing what the Father and His oil that's available here. There's an oil here that will anoint and empower you to pray. You remember when the prophet told the lady and she went in and shut the door behind? That sounds a lot like prayer. If your oil seems low right now and your intimacy with the Holy Spirit seems low right now, listen, you got to go into the prayer closet, shut the door, and start praying for some people that's lower than you. Start praying for some empty vessels than you. And watch the oil and the anointing and the empowerment of prayer stay upon your life. Listen, there's anointing to empower you to fast here. If you don't live a fasted life, you're missing. You're not seeing what's available already here. The Lord will anoint and empower people to fast. If you've not been healed and began to open up walls of hurt for emotional healing, sanctification, you're missing out on seeing the Father and the oil that's here. If you don't understand and don't have revelation of the ways of God to get all stories, you're missing out. It's already here. And I want to tell you on behalf of this word, I think a lot of people miss out because they don't see that it's actually their Heavenly Father trying to work. That it's actually more than just a gathering. This is the gate for the kingdom of God to break into areas of our life. This is the gate for the kingdom of God to break into the city. And when we see that, we partner with the Father who's working through this. And we tithe. We show partnership. Listen, there could be no transfer of the anointing 
into Elijah's life without partnership with Elijah. And when I think about the ministries that the Father sees breaking out of this place and empty vessels being filled and touched, oh, it makes me burn within. But you know what I know? I know it's costly for people to make it through the process. And we'll never make you go through the process. We'll, we'll serve you and meet you right where you're at. But I want to tell many of you, because we're in a series called Essential Oil, that for supernatural ministry and for what takes place in the promised land to be accomplished, this process is necessary. Because this is the process of transfer from the Father through Jesus the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor Chad, I've been putting so many things of me first. I so identify with that lady thinking about me and me first. And it makes sense now why I seem dry and joyless. I don't sense God's power. Because the way of the kingdom is no first through the word of the Lord. First prioritize the kingdom. Then afterward, we're fed. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.